This is Good Better Broker, a podcast from UWM. How do you hit a home run on the first call with a client? It starts with not swinging for the fences. In this episode of Good Better Broker, we sit down with Scott Valance, co-founder and CEO of Go Rascal. Scott's approach to the introductory call is the same, whether he's talking to a borrower or a potential new LO. You'll hear all about his strategy coming up on episode 57 of Good Better Broker. This information is provided to mortgage professionals only and is not intended for or authorized for consumer distribution. The views expressed by guests are their own and do not necessarily represent the views of United Wholesale Mortgage, LLC. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast series do not constitute legal or other professional advice or endorsements of any kind. Welcome back to Good Better Broker as we bring in Scott Valens. He is the co-founder and CEO of Go Rascal based in Brooklyn, New York. Scott, welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. It's great to finally get you on the pod. Uh, we've, been, we've been wanting to do this for a while, so uh, it's great to have you here. And uh, a bit about you for our listeners, 20 years in the industry now. You founded Go Rascal back in August of 2020 with your business partner, David Williams. Your goal is to be licensed in over 35 states, and you're on your way to doing that. And you're a top 50 broker shop in the country with over 100 LOs and you are rapidly growing. So I'm going to get into the growth part with you a little bit later in the conversation. We'll talk some recruiting, but I want to kick things off uh, with one of your core beliefs, one of your core strengths uh, as a mortgage loan originator, and that relates to the first conversation you have with a borrower. And, and you really pride yourself, Scott, on hitting a home run in that first conversation. Why is that the case? Well, first of all, I mean, the earliest you can, the earlier you can hit a home run, the better, right? I mean, Lead off spot. If you can have a, a one call close, why not, right? It's a, a win. You can get a bar committed to working with you in one call. But I think what I consider a home run might be a little bit different from what other people consider a home run because I don't necessarily look for the salesy one call close. Um, I, I, when I got in, you know, everyone falls into the mortgage business. I'm, I was not a traditional salesperson. I never took kind of sales coaching or whatever. To me, it's education. It's, to me, it's really conversation at the end of the day. Like the conversation can be salesy. It can also have nothing to do with selling anything. And I think, you know, doing exercises such as like mirroring the bar, the borrower, or the customer, or whatever, they go such a long way in, in being authentic is really the key here. Um, authenticity, patience, all those things. So when I'm on a call with a customer, um, I will just let the call, you know, control the call. There's obviously some value. You don't want to spend two hours on the phone with someone and never even understand what they want out of you. But like really just letting it flow and letting it, letting it open up as it needs to, I think goes a long way to building trust from the, from the customer. You mentioned your background, and our listeners should know that what you do have is a degree in psychology from Cornell. So I'm <laughs> curious, do you ever find yourself leaning on any of the the things you learned in school uh, when you're having conversations with a borrower? God, it's been a while. Probably. I don't know that maybe there's... Sub, maybe subconscious Some subconscious stuff, for sure. I'm, you know, all those hours in the classroom, I'm sure some of it sunk in and just became a part of who I am and how I interact. Social psychology was actually my, my favorite subject within the degree. And, 
Yeah, this is all social psychology when you're communicating with customers. Yeah, for sure. That's that's interesting to hear. Uh, another interesting thing about you and your, your approach, Scott, is that your strategy is to be an advisor. And mm-hmm. you talked about the education piece. And, and this, you know, made me think about the proliferation of AI. You know, and, and obviously there's certain things that AI does well, uh, but there's still certain things that you need a human being for. And, you know, when you and I were talking about this uh, in, the, in the lead up to the interview, you made a great point. Robots can't have sympathy and they can't show emotion. So that's where you come in. Yeah, totally. And that uh, comes right back to like not going right in for the kill or, or going right into the, the numbers or the details that a robot could ultimately produce. It's just, you know, connecting to the customer on whatever level they want. I get, you know, my markets, New York City is my home base. And I used to do a lot of business in California, Southern California, a lot of jumbo business there. You know, I know going into a call that I might not be the price leader on a, on a jumbo loan. In a lot of cases, I'm not. Um, do I want to win that piece of business? Absolutely. And do I have to be the price leader? Not always. But sometimes I know going right in that, uh, you know, the bar is already shopped with, a bunch of big box retail lenders, they're a paper, 20% down. And if I tell the borrower and they want a rate quote, if I say, sounds great, would love to give you a rate quote, but I'm going to send you my link to my online app. I need to get your docs in. And that's a strategy, right? Like get them a little bit more f- committed on a time and energy level. That's a disservice for someone who's rate shopped with four other big, you know, big banks and is just looking for a rate quote. So I'm going to play it. They're going to appreciate me for not being a robot and not, you know, taking up way more of their time than I need. And I could get referrals out of that five minute call from them, you know, for the rest of my career for them appreciating that I just gave them what they asked for and moved on and didn't waste their time. All right. You mentioned quoting rates. So I got to ask you because you already know this, a lot of LOs out there won't even quote rates until the borrower actually gives them some information. You handle this a bit differently, though. Explain what it is you do. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. You know, if it's if it's right away, top. You know, first thing, the only thing they want to talk about. They've already had deeper conversations with other loan officers out there. I get referred. You know, I get referred customers from realtors who love me and are loyal to me. But a lot of these customers have a private client relationship with you know Bank of America or Wells or Chase, and so. I know it's a long shot for me to win that deal. My best opportunity to win that deal is if they come back to me later because the big bank turned them down because their profile didn't quite fit. They had a 30-day late with a Wells Fargo credit uh, card in 2017. In a lot of cases, that will completely disqualify them. So I'm going to just, you know, I'm going to lead off and have a fantastic first impression with them, even if it's showing them my rate's a quarter, a half a percent higher than what they're getting quoted. And and um, they could come back to me, and and other opportunities will open up from that. Speaking of, you mentioned this uh, a minute or two ago that you get referrals, and you get them from people who, in some cases, you don't even help. Mm-hmm. How does that happen? Yeah, I mean, same idea. They appreciate my um, my 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 honesty, my my um, my again, my willingness to not waste their time. Um, I'll still advise, right? So if, if we're doing rate quotes and I'm pretty sure I'm going to be out of the market, they're like, I got a seven-year arm quote from whoever and I hear it and it's really sharp. I'll say, oh, you know, why are you taking a seven-year arm? Not so I could try to sell them to my 30-year fix, which might be a little bit closer, but just let's get my advisory uh, skills in there right there, knowing, again, I'm not going to get this deal, but they're going to get off the call saying, 
Scott challenged me. He opened up my eyes to just different products. They might go back to Chase or whoever and, and opt for the 30-year fix product because I made them think about the marketplace and rates and inflation and all these things or vice versa. Or I'm like, did you get an arm quote from anyone? No, only 30-year fix. Okay, what's your plan? How long are you going to stay in the place? They appreciate that. I think they appreciate it even more knowing that I'm not likely going to win their piece of business. So they leave saying... Scott wasn't my best rate. I like the other guy I talked to and I trust him and I'm going to go with him. But no one's been better than Scott in being efficient with my time, helping me, advising me, and still blessing me to go where I belong, which in this case might be the best rate. So we've established the fact that you like to position yourself as a, a true advisor who educates from the jump. Uh, but in these conversations, you know, how do you make sure that the person on the other end of that call knows that you are a good person, and this speaks to you know you always taking the high road in these conversations, no, no matter what may come up uh, during the course of a call. Yeah, I think a bit of it is um, I get asked this question a lot, like how have I been successful in my career? How have I been a you know top producer? What are my like sales task tactics and strategies? And I think it's really it comes down to these soft skills, right? I think within three or four sentences, the person's disarmed and they're like, okay, Scott's not just going to slam a product and a rate down my throat. Like he, I've asked for rates and he's going right to his pricing engine or whatever and giving me rates versus saying, hey, let's unwind a minute and any kind of tactics that's like, He's, he's veering me off from what I what I reached out for, and this is a bit annoying. Because uh, again, a lot of these people I've already gotten, they'll come to me third or fourth, and they've already price shopped, and it's that, that kind of client that I know we're talking about in this conversation that just totally appreciates the... Um, the lack of the the sales salesy stuff. So you you've got LOAs uh, that, that work mm -hmm. for you at Go Rascal, and and you have an interesting approach that you will take. You'll get on that first call, and then mm -hmm. you'll bring in your LOA, and you'll introduce them as your business partner. Yep. Tell me about that tactic. Yeah. So since we started growing and, and scaling our company through recruiting loan officers, I've I've. I've worn, my CEO hat has become a more and kind of chief recruiting officer, you would say, has become more important toward the growth of our company. I love originating. I was, I'm always, I'll always originate a little. It gets me excited, gets me high. Um, but I've thought about how can I spend 10 to 15% of my day originating um, and not be in the weeds of my file so I could spend the other 50, 60% on phone calls with loan officers that were recruiting. And I use the same, I wouldn't even call it tactics, but I come off the same way to these loan officers that I'm recruiting that we could talk about in a minute. But what I'll do with my LOAs is first of all, they have to be rock stars. They have to be licensed. They have to be able to quote rate. They have to know products, pricing. They have to know everything that I'm capable of doing and my skill set and my strengths. They have to be cut from the same cloth. So the handoff has to be Scott. I went from Scott to this person. They're great, right? It's a seamless transition. So who I hired and who I built up and trained is critical. Um, but yes, yeah, so I will get an email from a customer my assistant will often email back from me, you know, if, especially if it comes from a realtor. Very nice to meet you. We can't wait to speak to you. Um, Scott's excited to talk to you. I've also CC'd my loan partner, you know, Jacob or whoever it is, um, and we'll be on the call together. We, um, we tag team everything. We can't wait to chat. So they'll come on. We'll get the call. Sometimes it's a Zoom. We'll be on there. I'll let, I'll let my LOA speak. I'll speak. I'll, I'll actually lead the call for the most part. Maybe I could probably do a better job of letting the LOA 
talk a bit more, but it's just my nature. Again, I love doing it. And this is my like 10, 15% of my day. And I know I can probably like, you know, lock in that customer through all these, these methods. Um, but anyway, at the end of the call, you know, I'll let Jacob talk about more of the operational next steps. Okay. I'm going to be sending you out the link to fill out the app or Jacob will stay on and take the app. Um, I'll often stay on in the background and listen so I could get more nuggets, more info about the customer. And then they're, you know, 95% of the time, the customer is enthralled with, you know, the, the LOA they're working with. And there's no mention of LOA anywhere in language or in job title or whatever, because you never want it to feel like someone's getting handed off to a, a junior person. So it's a, it's a delicate dance, if you will. You're, you're doing your best to not step on your, your dance partner's toes. In this case, the LOA being your dance partner. And ultimately, uh, come away from that first call being able to say it was a win. And, and I want to ask you about that because you try to set up every single first call to be a win, even if it doesn't happen immediately. Yeah. Again, how, do you, how do you do that? Yeah, it just, again, it ties all back into not expecting a loan to come out of a call or all the calls with a customer, right? Like the loan is what we want, but you have to be prepared for it to be a very long sales cycle. You know, they could be interested in buying in a year and just feeling out the market. In fact, now's the time from an advisory perspective to encourage people to reach out, reach out to you and talk to you now with no intention of buying in this market. A lot of people can't qualify. They're afraid. You know, if you can get to them now, I think there's some stat out there that says like, 70 uh, customers, 70% of the time, the customer works with the first loan officer they talk to, right? Um, I would like to think that with me, it's, it's it's an even higher clip because of just these, these techniques um, and with other people who don't, you know, lead the conversation from an authentic place and um, do all these things, it's lower for them. So I think the people that are more in an advisory role that are that are you know being patient and not counting you know a lead as a paycheck um, are going to convert at a much higher clip in the long run. How much of that speaks to just your brand? You know, in, in like you were saying, it might not be you know alone right away on that first call, but the fact that you are able to get that person to remember you and what you're about, and that obviously speaks to brand. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, I. It, it, we don't, it's interesting, like we built this pretty cool, unique brand, Go Rascal, right now. Our, our brand was, um, the, um, what was our brand? Well, our new, our new brand is the happiest home for loan officers, right? So we shifted recently to say our customer is more a loan officer than, um, uh, it was a different breed of mortgage, right? Ties into breed, dog, we paid a, a branding agency a lot of money, a different breed of mortgage that was for the customer. But we're pivoting now, um, but... I think our brand speaks for itself on social media and out in the marketplace, but I think representing that brand, a different breed, um, happy home, these are happy calls. They're not aggressive calls. So it all ties in, I think, top down, the company I want to build, the loan officers I want to recruit, the, the way we want to attract loan officers and ultimately customers at the end of the day is different and happy and things like that. More like soft stuff than, you know, 90% conversion rates and talking all those numbers and whatnot. I love the dog metaphors. And, mm -hmm. you know, another one is, and this ties into the recruiting piece, it's a dog-eat-dog -dog world out there, Scott, as you know, with mortgage brokers and those in the wholesale channel tr trying to recruit top talent from retail and you are one of them. So tell us about your efforts to recruit new talent from retail. Yeah, totally. Um, 
you know, I think the best, maybe it's answering a question, maybe it's not because I want to share this, but like one of our biggest success stories. So we're still going to use tactics where we're going to cold call and send mass texts and whatever. Like, yes, that might not really align to happiness and different, but like we need to get volume reps in and have conversations with loan officers. And it's been proven that, you know, cold outreach works. Um, one of our best success stories from cold outreach was uh, got in touch with a high producing retail loan officer. Again, New York City, it's mostly our markets where we're mostly, um, you know, recruiting LOs from and the surrounding states and whatnot. We're expanding now and 25 other states. Um, but this was a loan officer. We are very, we got him on the phone. It wasn't me. It was actually like one of our junior recruiters. We we're very polite, friendly. Um, it was clearly the wrong fit. This guy, big box retail, 80% of our clients are ultra jumbo high net worth. We knew right away, let's not like try to sell this guy and all these other things. Same way, customer, loan officer, same idea. Nice conversation, friendly. He was kind of impressed that we weren't like aggressive and hanging up on him when he's like, you're, you know, broker's not the right fit for me. Two months later, I get an email from him through the, the recruit, the recruit forwards. He said, hey, there's this guy um, that's sitting on my couch next to me in Florida right now who I think is perfect for your model. He's my good buddy. He's been in retail a long time. He was big box New York. Then he moved over to a guaranteed rate. So he's kind of moving more towards correspondent a little bit away. And like he's going broker. And I think your model's perfect. I got on the phone the next morning. The guy linked in me as the loan officer linked in me. So we we're already communicating. Got on the phone with a 30 minute call. He's like, I'm like literally about to sign an agreement with another broker shop, but like you check all the boxes. Hopped on a flight a week later, spent two days with him in Los Angeles. He's based out there. And now he's a, a top producing LO on our team, helping us recruit other LOs from the retail channel. Cause that, when you have like a proof of concept and you get one guy, it's easier to sell other people from that company. You know, the first person to take the leap is often kind of rewarded. And we pay referral fees, you know, re referral overrides to our loan officers for recruiting other loan officers. But it's a perfect example. If we were a jerk to that original retail LO and we just use, you know, the script and the sales tactics, he probably would have said to his friend, there is this one company probably work for you, but they were jerks. So like, I'm not going to share who they were. And it, it just multiplies on what our success can be from that one, you know, call and, and handling it the right way. Yeah, I, I love that story. And it just goes to show, like you said, that even in a conversation or an interaction that may not yield an immediate result, it could come back to help you uh, in the long run. That, that story is certainly proof of that. Um, another interesting thing about your recruiting efforts, you're looking at LOs who are not competing with the megabanks. Right. So this almost, again, this ties back into like those calls, the example I was using. And again, where, where, where we'll win in the long run is, um, you know, if, if, you know, one of the first things we'll kind of feel out is, is, is this LO's book of business largely that like jumbo market? I'll get on a phone with an LO and I'm so passionate about this that if they're in the correspondent channel or if they're even in the jumbo market, they're at a big box bank, I can pull up, you know, MMI, all these different sources that most of their business is conventional then I will immediately point out that, you know, and I'll vet it with them again in a nice way. It looks like you're maybe like 60% conventional and I see the jumbos in there. So I'll kind of qualify who they are and then I'll start to break down, hey, yeah, you probably won't be able to capture all of that jumbo business on every loan when you come over here, but you'll be able to capture a percentage of it and the amount of money and the amount of deals you'll win on the conventional stuff and how much more you'll make. Like, let's do some math. We have a 
We have a PNL like plug and play spreadsheet that David built, my partner. So I'll pull it right up and, and plug in the numbers and I'll say, okay, if you know, if your jumbo business gets halved, like you only win one out of two deals, um, but your conventional business, you win maybe 20% more. And then the split you're going to get from us, they'll see, oh my God, I'm overall, it's a 40% pay raise for me in this market. And so that is a person who is, um, you know, is at a jumbo bank, is at a retail bank, but she doesn't really belong there. And so, yeah, so we, we look and, and, you know, when we're doing our cold calls or whatever, we're not just going right, you know, I would say the retail, the list of LOs at retail banks is not like the lowest hanging fruit for us. So kind of why we don't go after the people that are competing with the big banks. Um, yeah. yeah, it's just in this market, again, price isn't everything, but if you can be the price leader in a large segment of the mortgages out there, which for us, it's conventional, VA, FHA, non-QM, high bow. Um, that's, that's, that's a huge advantage. Well, whether it's calls with borrowers or calls with uh, potential uh, prospects, it seems like you're, you're doing all the right things and you're approaching it the same way. So uh, good stuff, Scott. We really appreciate you joining us and uh, continued success to you and the team at Go Rascal. Thank you very much. Good to be here. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. And look for another new episode coming your way two weeks from now with more expert advice from independent mortgage brokers around the country. I'm Justin White. We'll see you next time on Good Better Broker.